We're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Welcome to Wayfinding Growth. This episode is brought to you by Impulse Creative's Video Marketing Masterclass. George B. Thomas built out an 11-module on-demand course on how to leverage video in your business at impulsecreative.com forward slash VFM for Video Masterclass. Welcome to the second episode of Wayfinding Growth, Season 2, the second episode Woo! of Season 2. Are you ready for this, Remington? I am. I yeah, am. This is going to be awesome. fantastic. This is awesome. So so we just wrapped up the interview, uh, and, and we're doing the intro because we, we came away with so much good stuff from today's guest. Uh, I'm, yeah. I'm stoked to have him on, so we'll get to that in a minute. Uh, and we, we exist here at Wayfinding Growth to help inspire entrepreneurs, business owners, executives, anybody building that business. Uh, through interviews, through conversations, through our own internal conversations like we had last week. And, and we're just excited to bring you today's guest. Um, this is, this, this was my suggestion. So I'm super excited about this. Bob Fish, the co-founder of Big B Coffee. Uh, they're a regional cafe coffee place. And that's what they do. They do coffee drinks, kind of like the big boys, like Starbucks, right? Only different. And so we get into that. Um, uh, so Remington, I, I'm going to ask you about your takeaways, but I'm going to be selfish. I'm going to say mine. Uh, out of all the takeaways, I think one of my favorite was this idea that way back in the day before Bigby was Bigby, they were called something else and they had to make this change. And we'll get into why that is and, and hear about the, the difference, but it comes down to two things, awareness and empathy. And this is mm. back before empathy was like this big buzzword. And so Bob talks about that and what that meant and how expensive it was, but why yeah. they did it. So yeah, that was pretty cool. Um, and then also, I think the, the, one of my other big ones was um, talking about shipwrecks, right? Mm-hmm. What has, has almost sunk you? And Bob talks about one of his early shipwrecks and how serious that was and how, I mean, verge of bankruptcy. Like they almost didn't go forward and, and what he learned from that. And that was really cool and how arrogance plays a part in that and what that meant and everything else. So, so those are my two big takeaways. I'm excited for listeners to hear that. What about you, Remington? What did you walk away from? Yeah, so um... – I love parallel markets. I'm just putting that out there. Like mm-hmm. this, you know, this guy's this guy's got a coffee franchise, and um, I'm sitting here over as an agency owner, and I'm thinking like, wow, there's so many takeaways. So this really is for everyone. So that was like an unofficial endorsement, just in general, yeah. uh, about this episode and others. But he talked about he talked about the stages. I asked him about uh, the waypoints in his journey, and he talked about they break down into three different buckets survival, stability, and growth. And when you think about that, like everyone goes into like, it's like they jump in to start up a business and then they just grow. But, you know, I was joking a little bit, like towards the end of that, I was, I was like, well, what if, what if someone just jumped on the highway without looking like, without looking at how much gas was in the gas tank and (laughs) whether their, their tires were full and whether they had oil in the tank. Or in their engine, not, right? Not, like, right? <laughs> like how far are you going to go? And like, how, like, can you imagine? Mm-hmm. Right. So it's so, it was really interesting how he broke that up. And I was really pushing him for like actual elements, but those turned out to be like a gift for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the other thing was, you know, he focused and he's like, you could tell he believes it so heavily. This exists to love. And I'm not even going to try to explain it, but like, from a core value point of view, all the way through to just the way you could tell he lives and how he works as an org um, was pretty incredible. So I can't wait for listeners to hear it. Absolutely. When you get to the end of the episode, uh, we talk about where you can find Bob. So connect with him on those show links. And uh, yeah, just enjoy the episode as we get into Wayfinding Growth Season 2. 
Well, Bob Fish, welcome to Wayfinding Growth. We're excited to have you on the show, man. Uh, yeah, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So on our show, we are talking to entrepreneurial folks, people who have started businesses who are uh, either solopreneurs, or entrepreneurs, whatever it is. Now, you've co-founded, as I mentioned, as Remington and I talked about in the intro, you're a co-founder of Big B Coffee. Correct. Um, so let's talk a little bit about that. How did you as it were, chart that course, right? If we're wayfinders, how did you get here to the point where, man, you've got over 230 franchisees out there running or franchises running uh, shops. How did you get here? Sounds like an overnight success, right? (laughs) (laughs) It took forever. (laughs) Right. Yeah. 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 So it's 235 now. And you know, who knows by the time this broadcast, it'll probably be more because we've got about another 50 in the hopper. uh, It's great time, but yeah, I mean, um, I started with one store. I was a shopkeeper uh, in East Lansing, Michigan, uh, March 15th, 1995. I uh, had owned a, a breakfast restaurant before them, you know, like a, a family-style pancake house. And I had owned that for two years. I was quite successful with that. And the t- 10 years prior, uh, I had put myself through school by working at that uh, very restaurant. So, you know, I graduated from Michigan State University with a degree in hospitality business. So it, it, it looks all very organized, but while I was doing it, it didn't feel sure. that way. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. So how did you get into, like, so let's start from the beginning. Like, yeah. what was the, what was the, the pull to, to do this? Yeah, right. In the beginning. In 95. Yeah, ninety. Yeah. Well, and and the fact that it was ninety five, so that, yeah, right. I think that's pretty awesome too, right? Because it's really early, right? Yeah. Well, and a lot of our a lot of our listeners and and viewers, a lot of times, I think when we're thinking about growth, especially like you know the hypiness of social media and everything, makes it so that I think I was joking overnight success, but but they really feel that way, and then they get depressed about it six months later when it's yeah, not right. moving as fast as they think, right? <laughs> so I know, like Im- impulse, we've been uh, twelve years in the making you know, and 95 that, I mean, that's, that's where that's at. So kind of what, what made you jump in? Yeah. Right. So, uh, like I mentioned, I was in the restaurant business, love that yep. business, uh, really commoditized, right. I was selling two mm-hmm. eggs, bacon, sausage, hash browns <laughs> and toast for a dollar 99 and everybody yeah. knew what it should cost. Right. It was really hard to add value and so on and so forth. Love the restaurant business. Always wanted to own my own business. I mean, that, that's the sort of the larger, uh, makeup. What was happening in the mid-90s, though, there's a pretty big mega trend going on where people were moving from uh, lots of quantity of product to quality of product. So, you know, whether we're talking about the, the beer industry or the bread industry or the coffee industry, there was definitely this this trend happening where people were starting to have more discretionary income, traveling more, and wanted a better experience. And that included within specialty coffee. So, um I picked up on that and I'm like, I got to get out of this restaurant. I sold the restaurant and then I took a year off and I went out to Seattle in 1994. This is even before Starbucks came into Chicago, which was their first leap out and just hung out with people that were micro roasters and cafe owners, learned everything I could, came back to Michigan, wrote a business plan. I had some money. I had to get some money. Uh, so I was shopping this thing around the banks and banks at that time didn't understand specialty coffee. And they were mm-hmm. like, you mean you're just going to sell a cup of coffee? And I'm like, yeah, that that's hot right now. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, I got nine no's before I finally got a yes. Uh, found my first location near Michigan State University where, you know, I went to school 
and opened that to an absolute resounding thud. Uh, and uh, that was really hard because uh, up until that point in time, I felt like I had a little bit of the Midas touch, you know, like whatever I was doing, I kept moving up and up and up and up. Uh, but, you know, classic, not enough working capital and classic didn't really understand that people didn't really understand who I was yet. How do you, when, when you think of that Midas touch, cause I even yeah. think of that now still for you, you had a successful restaurant, you've got this huge franchise thing going on. Yeah. How do you deal with that? Oh, I don't have the Midas touch. Like that has to bring up a lot of stuff in you, a, a shipwreck as it were, right? <laughs> what is, what is that? What is that like for you? Well, I mean, my harbor is littered with shipwrecks, right? <laughs> okay. Fair enough. And, you know, my, my, my thinking on that is, um, you know, I'm glad it happened so early for me and mm. I had, I had to dig out of that one. But if you want to be a little bit on the leading edge of whether we're talking about your personal growth or, you know, your, your business life growth or, you know, whatever, uh, there's going to be some shipwrecks and mm. they're okay. Right. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you know, you might get a little they more suck. later. Yeah. Right? yeah. 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 You, don't, you don't want yeah. to flush everything downtown, but, um, right. but uh, you can't, you know, they, they talk about this idea of your business can hit the ceiling. Right. And, you know, we've hit the ceiling many times where you can't lift it too much farther. And that's mm-hmm. the moment that, you know, you got to do something different. Like, I mean, whatever worked for you up to this point in time, that's awesome. But that right. old phrase of you got to dance with what brought you here, that's bullshit. <laughs> you know, yeah, you no, it's absolutely right. And you got to grow. You know, you got to find your leading edge. The flops are are part of life, I think. Right. Cool. And and a lot of times people, you know, with the I heard it talked about the other day, success born. Right. We got success right. born everywhere. Yeah. And and no one talks about those failures, but some of those failures are some of the most pivotal moments in your business, too. Oh. Right. So so I think that that's that's really awesome to bring that. And thanks for sharing that as the beginning. Yeah. yeah. And what would you say is like maybe that rest, maybe that first big B is the first big shipwreck. But what is one of your biggest shipwrecks that you've been through, Bob? Yeah. So uh, I'll start with what the lesson was, and the lesson there you go. was uh, conquering hubris and arrogance, right? So, okay. so the shipwreck that that helped me conquer both hubris and and arrogance was uh, we were about five years out, and um, you know I opened the first store in '95. My partner and I started franchising in 1999, um, and you know, things weren't going as fast as we wanted. So we're like, well, we could buy, you know, a little, a little mini chain and accelerate this. So, you know, we're based out of East Lansing, Michigan, uh, Toledo, Ohio was, uh, about a hundred miles away. And there was a five unit chain there for sale. And, uh, and so we decided to buy them and flip them to Big B coffee. Um, and, you know, operationally we knew we could do a lot better and so on and so forth. Okay. So, we go to a vendor and get a loan and we go to a bank and get a loan and we put some of our own money in there and we're trotting along and everything's good. We're making our payments. We flip these and we think everything is great. And then one day that bank walks into our doors and says, we're shutting your loan down. And we're like, what? And what had happened was we discovered uh, the word covenant. Uh, and that in a loan document, there are covenants, uh, and those are 
ratios where you got to keep your balance sheet in ratio. And, you know, sort of the arrogant component of that is in the early days, you know, people would have you sign documents like, you know, if you mess up, we're going to take everything. And that was always, you know, like my inside joke. I'm like, yeah, but I don't have anything. So you can, mm. have it, you know, yeah. <laughs> right. And but so that contract I, follows you. <laughs> yeah, it does. And I didn't think twice about it, but we were out of ratio. They shut us down. And then, you know, so there we were operating. I mean, they took all the money out of our checking account with them. They took all the money out of our savings account with them. They demanded all the cash that we had. And then they said, okay, your solution is you got to go refinance this. But this is like, you know, somebody foreclosing on your house and then you got to go get another loan. That doesn't work out that well. Right. Yeah. Right. Thankfully, you know, we had uh, built some relationships uh, with uh, other banks over the years and we were able to go in and kind of explain, yeah, you know, we messed up, uh, but we can make this work. And can you give us a loan? And they were happy too. Of course, it was at a, at a penalty rate, but it was sure. better than uh, the going down hard. But mm. yep, uh, that that was like that was the precipice of bankruptcy. Man, that's got to be scary. I I can only imagine the like getting to that point and going, okay, do I just give it all up and say start something different, or do I have the tenacity? And obviously, you had the tenacity. Um, so I'm and I'm glad you did. That's man, that has to be hard. Yeah, and then really one of the hardest parts is then showing up to the rest of the world every day saying, "Sure, oh my God, this is so great." <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. No, hundred yeah. percent. Yeah, you know the the ebbs and flows are the ebbs and flows are a big thing, and and that's a great like, especially if you have employees, <laughs> right? Like, right. like you you got to be the cheerleader as the as the boss, and you could be having the worst day in the world, but it has to it has to compare to their best. Oh, and. Sure. And so that's, that's, that's really, that's really huge. Um, so, so cash flow is that underlying thing that you basically were unofficially talking about along yeah. with, you know, the financing. And so, so when, when all of that happened, like what lessons did you learn there in regards to like, obviously you got another loan, but like what, yeah. what things were you like, Oh, we're not going to do that again. Yeah. So, um, you know, certainly, uh, the, the, Understanding reading the documents that you're signing, you know, mm. and, you know, in the early days, uh, you'd like to think you could go to a bank and negotiate with them, but you can't. Right. Right. But in later days, as things mature and you get a little bit better and you have a little bit better understanding, uh, you you can negotiate. I'm not saying rate, but certainly conditions of the loan and so on and so forth. Yeah. I think the other really big lesson, though, is, I mean, what saved us was having built uh, legitimate, solid uh, relationships with, with other business people and banks, mm -hmm. right? So um, if you're under duress and you need to go, you know, like get another loan in this particular circumstance, the fact that somebody knows you already and you've been mm -hmm. working with them for a long period of time, that makes a, a massive difference. Absolutely. So relationship is the ultimate currency as it were. Totally. Absolutely. Totally. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah that's huge. So if that's, so that's your, your shipwreck. That's your, one of your your low moments. One of many. Yep. <laughs> one of many. <laughs> What's one of the proudest moments that you've had over the last twenty four years that that you've just sat back and gone, wow. Yeah. Yeah, I always struggle with this uh, question when people ask me, you know, what is my proudest moment? Uh, and and I'll I'll tell you why I struggle with it. Uh, it it's because uh, I, I don't I don't want to suggest that there's something in the past that is a peak. 
You know what I'm saying? So, sure. Okay. Right. So I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And because uh, I'm I'm a tomorrow kind of guy. I'm always looking forward, always moving forward, and so on. And, and that can get you in trouble too. Uh, but, <laughs> sure. You know, literally my proudest moment, and and this is the way I try to live my life, is uh, right now, today, right. And the reason that that's mm-hmm. really important uh, ideologically for me is it speaks to how uh, uh, I or you know. Uh, my partner, Mike McFall, look at running our business, right? So we want every moment to be our proudest moment, right? So you want to awesome. show up uh, doing, you know, this, this This might be an overused phrase, but doing the right thing, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of forks in the road at, at every moment in time in owning a, a business or an enterprise. And you are faced with the question quite frequently, is this the right thing to do? And, and we might say that from a, a moral perspective, or you might say it from a responsibility to others perspective, or from the viewpoint of others perspective. And so yep. um, every day is my proudest moment. That's awesome. awesome. Yep. So so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to force you into a little bit of a corner here then. So what would you consider some of the pivotal moments then mm-hmm. that have led you to where you went? So you mentioned ceiling. Yeah. And then realizing you got to do something else. So rather than proudest, but what were some of those decisions that that we'll say worked out? Yeah. Right. It's it's everyone's got their own playbook. But what were some pivotal like waypoints if you look back and you're like, we did this, we thought about this, or maybe we we didn't do this and it turned out all right. Yeah. So, you know, uh, I start I started as a shopkeeper. Mm-hmm. Right? And then and, and today I'm I'm CEO of of of, of you know we're 150 million. Okay, so uh, that's wow. not a, that's not a straight line, right? Uh, okay, uh, that line kind of goes up a little bit, then it goes flat, it goes up, and those are those ceilings I'm talking about. Yep. And I, I think that the thing to understand about pivotal moments, um, d- decisions, if your vision is right, and if your uh, core values are right, and uh, and so on. Are, are really made for you, right? But what what happens in those pivotal moments is they are a byproduct of uh, personal growth, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you a, as an individual, the what you bring to the game early on will only, only take you so far, mm-hmm. right? And, you know, what might bring you to the game early on is uh, raw determination, uh, high work ethic, uh, will. Okay. <laughs> but those, those assets are the very thing that could make you crash and burn later on. Sure. Right. Um, but the most recent pivotal moment is uh handoff of leadership. Right. So, um, we as a company certainly went through what we call survival, mm-hmm. stability, and now it's growth, right? Cool. But um, we got through survival and stability with maniacal control. But maniacal control doesn't work forever. It's, it is the thing <laughs> that brought us to the, you know, to this point in time. But it began to implode on us. So is that also how you keep a, a franchise operation going with standards as a maniacal control? That the well, same thing or no? Right. Um, uh, no. 
right? Okay. So, you know, the way a franchise holds itself together is based on uh, trust mm-hmm. and uh, and them having confidence in what we're doing and us having confidence in what they're doing, right? Right. Okay. I mean, we're not partners per se. We're very close to partners, uh, but we don't share the same um, uh, uh, operating agreements. And it's our obligation to lead and do it in a manner that they believe that we're doing the right thing. Sure. So, um, but from a standards perspective, Dan, uh, every franchise needs to have a set of standards that, that gets enforced and is enforceable. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Now, so I want to kind of geek out for a minute here because um, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit marketing, a little bit big B, a little bit everything. Right. And I want to know about the, the, the pivot, the, maybe it's a proudest moment because it kind of is for me, Yeah. the, the brand change, yeah, right? right? When Big B first started, it was called what? Beaners. Beaners Cafe, Coffee. right? Yep. Mm-hmm. Coffee beans. Yep. At some point, you, and I, I know the story, so I'm going to lead you a little bit here, but I want to yep. talk about this. <laughs> At some point, you became aware that that was a disparaging term yep. uh, for a specific culture. Yep. And you said, nope, we're not going to do that. So sometimes you hear people in the world say, especially in 2019 right now, everybody's, everybody's so sensitive and, and they get so hurt and you know, we're just so right. PC. Let's just, uh, so yeah. people sometimes complain about that name change. Yep. They do. From my point of view, man, awareness and empathy. Yeah. Right. I'm so proud of what Big B is today because of that, yeah. because of your and your team's vision. Yeah. How, how did that go for you? That's a huge change to, to completely rebrand. Yeah. Right. And for an entrepreneur listening or a business owner listening who might be scared of that or might have to make that decision. Yeah. Walk Big us decision. That. Yeah, it's huge, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So walk us through that. What was that like for you? So um, there was a long tail to that decision making. And frankly, you know, Mike and I were showing up at our annual board meeting every year, spending about 30% of our time asking ourselves whether we should change the name or not. Hmm. And then, you know, I say, you know, we're slow learners, but when we get it, we get it in the end. Um, we're like, wait a minute. We're spending 30% of our time talking about whether we should change the name or not. I guess we should change the name, right? Hmm. And so we did. Um, and there's a lot of components to it. So it, uh, Beaner's Coffee uh, was uh, – Beaner's is a disparaging term towards a Mexican-American. That's not the way that we meant it. And for a long time, we were like, well, we can change that. We can change the meaning of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's not true. You know, we could. Right. That. And so we didn't mean it that way. Um, but we're still people that believed in a culture of have fun, be happy, make friends, love people, and drink great coffee. And, and I had to look in the mirror every day and be like, we're called Beaner's Coffee. That's horrible, right? Mm. Um, so, uh, Dan, there was a lot of discussion leading up to it. Uh, but when we made the the decision, I mean, it was just done. And mm-hmm. we had 60 units at that time. Uh, it cost us a million dollars to do. We had to get um, unanimous consent from the franchise community because, you know, when you sell a franchise, one thing you're selling is your name and the other thing you're selling right. is the system. So we're like, oh, by the way, that name we sold you, eh, we're going <laughs> to change it. You know, so. That's scary. Um, That's crazy. But, you know, everybody was on board. Good. And uh, we went to market with it. Um, and, uh, in the end it was relatively easy, but Dan, you're right. There are those people out there that they're like, that's too PC. 
And this is, this is long before people even used the word empathy, you know, so we were a little ahead of the curve on that whole idea. And I remember somebody's like, it's just too PC. And I'm like, thank God. Isn't that great? You know, that's kind of where we were going. Oh, you're, you're hitting me with arrows. That's horrible. Yeah. No, being too PC is just awesome. Yeah. I love that you say all these things that you live for and then drink great coffee is the last thing. Yeah. Right. That's so cool. Great core values, man. Mm. That's awesome. So, uh, I want to know you guys obviously have innovated. You're on the leading edge of empathy. You've been on the leading edge of uh, micro coffee. You go in the face of Starbucks, uh, and other, what I would call stuffy coffee shops. Right. And you just go, you're like, here's who we are. We're out and you're innovators. What's next for innovation at, at Big B? Well, you know, the, the other thing I, I just want to comment that we're innovators on is introducing the word love into business, um, mm. you know, as a verb. So not, not as a marketing scheme, but um, understanding that we exist to love people. And that means, you know, the people inside company, people outside mm. company and, and the whole nine yards. And that, you know, that if, if I say to an owner operator, I love you, man, that that's okay. Right. That's not weird. That's good. Right. So, uh, you know, we, we believe we've been put on the earth to, to do that, to love people and to create business and to create wealth for uh, folks. That, that we think is, is the really the, the leading edge. And, oh, absolutely. Uh, our goal is, uh, so, you know, we define Big B Nation uh, as uh, our, our home office, our uh, franchise owners and our barista. So by 2028, uh, we want uh, to be able to ask this question: Is Big B Coffee helping you build a life you love? And our our goal is that 90% of people in Big B Nation that have been there over a year would would give us a nine or a ten uh, mm-hmm. out of ten on that. That's that's where we're shooting, right? It's awesome. And um, and you know, I want a New York Times story out of this. You know, that's where I'm going with this. I sure. I want somebody to say, this is how you marry love with business. Mm-hmm. That's incredible. So, yeah, that's. Huge. I really like that though, and that that says something to your internal mission too, for oh. the you know for the team. And I mean. You know, I've, I've heard it a lot. Like people can't love a company unless your employees love it first. Yeah, totally. <laughs> right. No, that's totally true. Right. So, and yeah, it's not sure. just, you know, oh, I love working there. It can't be that. So th- there's some very specific terminology here. And that is that we are supporting them and building a life they love. And we don't mean at work. Mm. We mean that we're supporting them and building a life that they love. In work, out that's of work, awesome. life. Right. That there's just one life, one person, and that we're supporting that. That's awesome. It makes me think of this idea of work-life balance. But it sounds to me, Bob, like maybe you're saying that's not the case. Is there such a thing as work-life balance or is it just life? It's just life. So what, you know, I, I think you bring something up that's sort of interesting. You know, people in the past have had a tendency to say, well, you know, there's, there's my friend circle, and then there's my family mm-hmm. circle, and then there's my business circle. And what that tells me when I hear people say that is that they can't be themselves. Mm. 
simultaneously with all three groups, right? Amen. And so you spend a lot of mental energy trying to manage all that. And if you Mm -hmm. collapse that into the one you, you know, the, the person that you are and bring that to each of those groups, it just frees your mind. Right. And it frees your spirit and frees your soul and you, and you can move forward. So, you know, the way I like to refer to it is you got one life, right. And you got to include all those groups in that one life. And if you can't connect with each of those groups in the same way, there's a question to ask yourself. Yeah. What's going on with you that doesn't allow you to do that. It doesn't mm-hmm. allow you to bring you. That's yeah. amazing. That's great advice, uh, which uh, leads me to my uh, our last question here in just a moment. But I want to make sure, Bob, everybody has a chance to connect with you, with Big B, uh, with anybody, to, anything to do with you and in, in your entire world, your life, as it were. Yeah, right. What, uh, what's the best way to connect with, with Bob Fish? Uh, for me, and it's a little old school now, uh, it, it's still Facebook, right? So Big B, Bob Fish, you know, I take all comers. You know, I do LinkedIn cool. also. Um, uh, that's the best place. You know, yeah. or go find me at a Big B coffee shop. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And we'll, we'll link to those in the, in the show notes as well. Yeah, great. That's great. So, so Bob, as, as we're wrapping this up, wayfinding growth is all about finding our way, having those waypoints. It's all about mm-hmm. taking a journey. Mm-hmm. If you were to be a wayfinder for someone else, mm-hmm. what would the, the first piece of advice to them be? What would you want them to know? Yeah, right. So, you know, I always had three things. Uh as advice, and, and they're really simple. Um, one, uh, the first thing is, uh, if you're if you're operating your own business, uh, you are the light. You're the sun of that business, and it doesn't mean that there aren't you know other planets revolving around that sun <laughs> and so on and doing stuff and whatever. But if we think about the sun, not from a center center of gravity perspective, but from an energy perspective, that, that, that comes from you, right? So positive mental energy to me is the number one asset that somebody needs to bring to the table. Love it. The, the number two is that, um, and we've talked about that this, uh, throughout, but, um, you gotta, you gotta be willing to live on, on your leading edge, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, it's getting outside of your comfort zone, what you know, what you feel good with, what, you know, makes you sleep easy and so on. Uh, that's gonna, that's gonna carry you forward. You know, if you, if you want to move forward in life and not stay static, you got to grow, right? Period. And there's, there's dozens of ways to do it, but the first thing to do is decide that you're willing to do it, Mm. right? You're willing to take that risk. Uh, and then the last thing is, uh, you gotta have a vision, you know, there, there's, there, there's gotta be something on the horizon that you can see that you're trying to get to period. Right. And mm-hmm. if you don't have a vision, you can't take advantage of opportunity. You know, mm-hmm. I always tell people that, you know, opportunities are crossing your path constantly. How do you know whether to take them or not? You know, when to take them, when you know where you're going, right. Cause then you can identify the opportunities and say, yeah, those opportunities help me get where I'm going or they don't help me get me where I'm going and so on. And so those are the three that I think are really important. That's great advice. That's awesome, Bob. 
Excellent. Remington, anything else we need to, to ask Bob before we go get our coffees? No, this is, this is fantastic. You know, this is one of the things I love about this podcast is, um, you know, I've been in business for a number of years, not since 95, but, uh, <laughs> but I've been in, but I've been in business a number of years and every single episode that I, that I am a part of and that I, when we're interviewing or even listening to, um, always has like a couple little nuggets that you can take back and like, you know, improve, improve your business and improve your life. So thank you so much for being a part of it. My pleasure. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that's an essential ingredient also is quit hanging out with the people that you hang out with. And that's what a podcast is all about, right? I mean, yeah. get out of your circle, listen to yes. somebody else for a moment, please. Yep. Echo chambers for sure. Oh Lord. You know, I mean, the worst place you can spend is inside your head. The second worst place is to spend time inside the head with the people, you know, the three people, you know, the best and the best thing you can do is to start hanging out in the head of other people. Yep. Love it. Change. Hey, man, Love piece it. of advice. So many <laughs> sound tough. bites in this thing. This is fantastic. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Thanks, Pat. Appreciate your time today. Uh, yeah. Very much. My pleasure. Yep. Thank you for listening. If you like this episode, please share it. Post it, tweet it, gram it, email a friend. Give the gift of knowledge to someone you know that could benefit from it. And if you really loved it, please consider leaving a rating and written review on your podcast player of choice. And as always... Go to wayfindinggrowth.com for resources and past episodes. Remember, we're here to help you navigate your business growth with strategic conversations and insights from experts in multiple industries. Thank you for listening to Wayfinding Growth.